Esau sells a bowl of soup. Okay. What's his next? Oh, it's a hard name to remember. Starts with N. N A B O T H. Yeah, Naboth. What Naboth sell? Nothing. What do you hang on to? Piece of land. Wonder why? That's right. His mom and dad, it was his inheritance. If you don't realize, Esau, his birthright is really inheritance. So Esau sells inheritance for soup. Naboth says, no deal. I'll never sell it. Good. See if you remember the next couple of people. Who denied the Lord three times? So Peter sold out. He, in essence, sold Jesus for popularity. I don't want anybody to not like me. Because if they don't like me, they might kill me. So I'll just act like I don't know Jesus. How about the other, uh, my favorite guy of the whole group? Gus. I don't know if you missed it or not. If you did, I closed with, uh, with Gus because Gus equals us. If you don't know, you're Gus, and so am I. wonder why. Go ahead and think about that. Yes? Say what? Say it. Okay, exactly. He's got a good point there that he's smarter than me. I didn't really even think of that, but he's, he's got that too. You won't take a step without Jesus. You can't hardly live without Jesus. Gus was... Not really living, he was existing. He's like us, or we're like him. I don't know who brought you to camp this week, but they're sort of like the six people that carried Gus around. And I'm glad that they brought you to camp. Now, they lowered Gus down in front of Jesus, and Jesus healed him. But if it wasn't for Gus's faith, so I can tell you all about Jesus this week, but unless you really sort of make him personal, it's not going to happen. So, today's lesson, would you do this? Would you take your hand and uh, put it right here? Try this with me. And go, Psst. Good. You just now gave me my point. Let's try it again. Psst. What's that got to do with today's lesson? Well, uh, you're close. If you want to tell a secret, yeah, sometimes you'll do this in English class, in church, whatever you go. Psst. And you try to tell somebody something. Hopefully it's something important. Sometimes you're just being disruptive in church. But anyway, if you're going to tell somebody something and you will say, like that. I'm not going to give you any big secret, but if you want to call it that today, my, my message for you today has got five letters in it. Psst. P-S-S-S-T. Wow. Okay, okay. So all i got to do today, see, I like to put things in your mind. I'm not sneaky, but the next time you pull your wallet out to pay for something, you'll think, what's in my wallet? I hope Jesus, what's in my wallet? You know, we keep our treasures in our wallet, and our treasures where our heart is. You'll think, Jesus, I sure hope he's in my heart. People stand beside you and go, what are you doing? Nothing, I just happened to think of something. Well, today, the next time you go, Psst. oh, that was his second message. See, I like to put things in your mind. What in the world am I talking about today? Psst. Well, five points. I'll show you something. See, last night I asked you to... Uh, Make sure you put what's in your heart, what's important in your heart, rather. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Gus, what was the most important thing to Gus's friends? Getting him to Jesus. So Jesus should be number one. So I got a little, maybe you've seen this before. We got this out of the lunchroom. <laughs> no, I just kidding. This is what we had for lunch. Mm. It is uh, three elements in this jar. Yeah, it's eyeballs. Monkey eyeballs. No, it's not monkey eyeballs. Y'all believe anything. Monkey eyeballs, squid tail, and decaffeinated coffee. 
And out of those three, the decaffeinated coffee is most dangerous to you. Especially if it comes from America. Anyway, let's move right along. No, the three things are golf balls, pebbles, and sand. Let me explain why I did this today. I told you the most important thing to uh, Naboth was his vineyard. most important thing to Gus's friends was getting Gus to Jesus. If you haven't picked it up now, what's in our wallet, our most valuable thing? And, or really our heart and our worth. If you can just tie all that together, our treasure, our heart, everything. So the most important thing in this uh, jar right here, let me ask you, what went in first? Somebody said golf balls? Raise your hand if you think golf balls. Hmm. What went in second? Pebbles. Yeah. Last, the sand. Okay, now let me tell you. The golf balls represent God. And if I put the golf balls in first, God, or if you'd want to say, well, that's really like my family. That's like what I showed you on... uh, Hobbies and passions. If God's given me a gift to come into camps and speak, and this is really important to me. I had summer school this week, and I asked the director of instruction where we live. He wants me to teach driver's ed for eight days, from 8 o'clock in the morning until 1 in the afternoon. Five hours for eight days. Same people. 32 people in the same room teaching the same thing for five straight hours. I'm really looking forward to it. But anyway, that was supposed to start this week. I said, can you move that to next week? Why? Because one of my hobbies, one of my passions is going to speak to camp. People at camp. That's sort of like the golf balls. What do you really like to do? You think I'd rather be here teaching summer school? You'll need a steak or a gravel. You know, it's sort of like this is what I love to do. Why? Because I love talking about Jesus. I love working with y'all. So this is a golf ball. Name me something that you think was really important. You don't have to say it aloud. But God and family, those hobbies, those passions, just like when Thomas Edison's shop burned down, he didn't really miss anything. His mistakes were gone, according to his wife. So he just started out. He still had the passion to invent things. I think 1,018 things. That's what the golf balls are. That's what's really, really important. Now, what are the pebbles? If you throw in a house, a car, things like that, uh, those are things that make life okay. Nice TV set, I suppose, if you'd put that in. You know what the sand is? The sand's the little stuff. That's sort of like the things we can take or leave it. And if we're not careful, you all back up. What if I had to fill this jar up with sand? Wouldn't have had room for what? Wouldn't have had room for the golf ball. Exactly. And people will get up in a neighborhood where I live, and they might get up and the smaller things are sort of like, well, let's say the sand. That's the little stuff. And they might go and do things on a Sunday, and they will never go to church, but they'll never miss a day playing golf, or they'll never miss a day going to the lake with their boat, or they'll never miss things like that. If you ask them about church, the golf balls, I don't have room for that in my life because I'm too busy. And I think, wow, all y'all... Their whole life is filled with what? Sand. And yet they think it's important. Well, my point this week, I want to make much of Jesus. And if you've got God in your life, then you're one step ahead of everybody else. If you don't, by the time we leave, I hope... I saw some of you doing your quiet time. Anybody take quiet time today? Now, that's not corny. Don't think, oh, that's bobo. You'll have your friends tell you that. Well, i tell you what, I sit down in the morning, I'll give me about five or ten minutes, and I'm like a person that likes to put things into order. Not that I'm a neat freak by any means, but I get up in the morning, I think, now, Lord, here's what you want me to say, I believe, and I'll put things in, okay, now I'm ready. That's sort of like a quiet time. And if you open up your Bible and read a few verses, get some things, okay, got everything situated. If you get up, jump out of bed, you go, it's almost like you've left God off for the day. It seems like the day's a little bit more hectic.
Well, think of the golf balls. That's God. Put God first. I've heard people say this. Some people really fanatical. Not really. I, I'm, I wish I was more like this. They say, no Bible, no breakfast. Tell me what that means. Yeah, I won't eat breakfast until I read my Bible. Golly, I can't do that. I'd rather have eaten. You know, I'd rather have something to eat. Well, then you and Esau going over and sitting in the field together because you just now see realize what you did. I'd rather eat than talk to God. That's what he would do. Soup, wow. Selling inheritance for a bowl of soup. We're like that sometimes. Have a quiet time first. Put a golf ball. Thank golf ball. Okay, I got God first. What comes next? The things that are still important, be kind to mom and dad and brothers and sisters. Don't call your sister names and stuff like that. And treat the people around you that you, you love. And then the sand, the rest of it's small stuff. Okay. So what's today's? Psst. Oh, good. Glad you asked. What's John 3.16 say? Okay, stop. For God so loved. Let me back this up. Say so this, this. For God so loved the world. Try that. For God so loved the world. Okay, my first pst is personal. The first letter stands for personal. I'm going to let you be selfish for the next minute or so. Don't worry. People tell you, don't be selfish. I'm going to let you be selfish because I want to thank just of you. Don't say the world this time. Say your name. I'm going to say Edgar. Don't you say that because I don't think there's any other Edgars in the building. And then you say yours. Ready? For God so loved Edgar. Try that again. For God so loved Edgar. You see, that sounds weird. But you know what? That's what that verse really means. And if we're not careful, we memorize that verse flippantly and say, For God so loved the world. And you notice what we do? The world. Like the world's always over there. And then we think, Oh gosh, does He even love me? Oh yeah. For God so loved you, say your name. How about this time? I'm going to really make you. Take your finger. Point right here. For God so loved Edgar. I'm going to let you put a pronoun in there this time. Let's say me. For God so loved me. And suddenly you think, wow. See, if we're not careful, we always think it's somebody else. We always feel like it's not me. It is you. For God so loved me. Now, how personal is that? Can't get any more than that. If we're not careful, I think we'll often do this. We worry about people out there. And I'm not saying be selfish by any means. Let me put it as simple as I can. Before I can get up here and tell you my testimony, before I can tell you about the Word of God, until I can tell you things, you know who has to learn it first? See, I'm like a lifeguard. And if I show up at the pool and I'm going to try to help those and somebody puts up her hand, please save me. I would, but I can't swim. Great, you're a great lifeguard. So I better learn how to swim myself before I come help you. I better make sure I'm saved before I start telling anybody my testimony. How could you be? Uh, you know what they call those people in court? They put them up on a what stand? Witness stand. How can you be a witness if you've never heard anything or seen anything? You know, can you imagine the judge coming in? State your name, good. Sort of tell the whole truth, nothing about the truth, so help you God? Yes. What'd you see? Nothing. Good. What's your name? I'm not sure. Where do you live? Who knows? Great. I believe uh, you can step down now. And that's sort of like us sometimes as a Christian. Where you been? Camp. Where's that at? I'm not sure. What you learn about? Okay, great. Unless our mouth, you know. Let's see, Jesus, you know, they'd have to read your mind because you don't even mention it. You remind me a little bit of uh, the boy that went to camp and he said, Mom, I'm worried that people might make fun of me for being a Christian. And his mom was sort of worried then. 
he came back from camp all smiles, and he told his mom, he said, Mom, guess what? Nobody made fun of me. And she said, Oh, that's great. How come? I never told him I was a Christian. Nobody will make fun of you for being a Christian if you don't ever claim to be that. But if you do, look out. Anybody ever been laughed at for being a Christian? Oh, yeah. See, I've coached for about 20 years of my life. I've went in a, we have a coach's locker room. One school we did that, and we walked in, and you have about eight lockers, and all of us coaches going there. And I remember one of the coaches was like, Oh, let's ask Edgar to pray for us. I will. <laughs> you know, like that. I felt like this. I'm going to pray that God takes your life. No, I didn't know we did. <laughs> I like to do that to atheists. They say, I don't believe in God. Then you won't mind if I ask him to kill you. <laughs> no, please don't do that. Remember, if he's not alive, you don't have anything to worry about, do you? God, strike this. Don't do that. Don't pray. That's sort of spooky to them. So don't worry. He's not there anyway, according to you. For God so loved me. I've just got a question for you. If you've ever thought of anything else but you right there, I want to change that thinking. Uh, would you bow your head, close your eyes, and we'll pray, and then we'll start into everything. Jesus, my first point is personal. If we don't know you, we've lost what we're really here for. Lord, I pray that you'd put into everybody's mind right now, we're all like Gus. We're all crippled, only we're crippled spiritually. And I'm thankful that I've had uh, like a mom and dad to encourage me to sort of carry me to Jesus when I was small. And it was at a church there that I asked you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life and my heart and save me. And you saved me at the early age of eight years old. I can still remember that day. It was a hot day in July. And Lord, since then, I sure haven't been perfect, but I've uh, always wanted to follow you. And even on the days that I don't feel that very strong, you still forgive me and draw me back. Somebody's in the room today, Lord, they might not know you. In a group this size, it's bound to be someone who's never said, Jesus, I never realized John 3.16 was for God so loved me. I always thought that was somebody else on a foreign land, some other place in the world. Lord, today I realize that you love me, and you died for me, and you're waiting for me. Lord, today I pray that there's somebody here that, just like Gus, I want to bring them to you. And Lord, I ask you to heal them. Heal them spiritually. Forgive them of their sins, and Lord, just help them to see that they need to ask you to come into their heart. And that's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. You ready? Psst. Do that with me. You ready? Psst. What's P stand for? Personal. Psst. You know what the S stands for? This is the one that some people don't like because they always like to be a tough guy. Sensitive. Jesus, where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them. Do you think Jesus is here today? Now, Jesus is here, so he might very well be looking out and seeing somebody just just think of this for a second. If I might be, you know, and I'm not, I'm far from him, but if I could be like Jesus, just think if Jesus would do this today. And you can't see him. Now, if your shoulder is sort of numb or you don't feel anything, would you would you sense that? No. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says something like this. Having your conscience sets their insides seared as with a hot iron, we could do this. If you brought a calf and he was a year old, and we want to brand him, we get this thing red hot in the fire, pull it out, and it's just glowing. We get ready to brand him. How many people do you think want to hold down this calf? Yeah, no. If we go like this, does nobody hold him down? He takes off. Come on, let me burn your skin off. <laughs> Come on, sorry, I misunderstood. Ow, he's not going to do that. 
The next year he comes up, we've got about two men holding him down. Third year, one man. Guess what? How many? Fourth and fifth year. Nobody. He'll come up. Okay. How come nobody has to hold him after a while? He's used to it. He's seared. That piece of skin at the back is now, it's numb. It's not, what's the second? But it's not sensitive anymore. If you ever get involved in an accident, you lay your plate on your back, they lift up your legs. They might even take a little pin and hit you right here in the sole of the feet. The doctor ever looks up and goes like this, you're in trouble. That means he's not reacting. It's not sensitive. He doesn't feel anything. He's numb. Oh, that's bad news. Matter of fact, I saw my brother one time. He was injured. They lifted up his leg. The doctor went like this. You ever have him hit you right here in the knee? I'm reflecting <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so he hit you right here. They tap my brother hanging like this and watch his leg go. And they said, okay. Because if they didn't see his leg go up, they thought he's got a bike in here. The dentist, excellent point there. It hurts right here, so he puts that needle in. A little bit of... He's done that for us. Great, good. He puts it right here in the muscle. And the dentist I have, or at least I went to this last time, he, here's your jaw muscle. When you go like this, you realize what this muscle does? It tightens. He puts it in there. It's already tight. He puts it in there and goes, turn it sideways. And it. <laughs> Why don't you reinsert it someplace else instead of using the same hole all the time? Smile. He says, tell me when it gets to right here. I mean, it comes across. And pretty soon, I just, yeah, it's, it's to there. Good, I go ahead and work. My jaw is now. No, it's not. And he goes, so if he did this, let's try today you know no one can. Today, if I mention a few things, ah, how else can I say that? I'm, I'm not asking you to cry every time you... Do I have to cry? Well, sometimes I do. I can hear Stephen Curtis Chapman's song about... Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman is about 43 years old. He's adopted three little uh, girls from China. He sings a song about a couple of them, and uh, well, I about weep when I see the song. They're not even my kids. How do you do that? I just don't want you to be numb. Now, I've seen two extremes. I've seen some older people that if grandma dies, they don't even want to cry at the funeral. I've seen younger people like your age. Because, see, remember, I've been in school. Te- I teach school about 20 years now. I've seen people come up all, <laughs> they're just crying. They're just weak tears. Alligator tears coming down. <laughs> Take a towel, just dry their face off, wring it out. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> what's my, <laughs> can't even get words out. Easy, easy. Sit them down. Grandma died in a car wreck. <laughs> Mom and dad fall off a cliff. <laughs> What's the matter? I broke a nail. <laughs> or else, I got one better. Can't get my locker open. I was at my wife's school and a little boy out there about weeping in the hall one day. Bless his heart. <laughs> he had missed a bus. All we got to do is do, do, do. Can you go? Yes. The little bus comes back and we can get somebody. But at the time when you're about eight or nine years old and your bus goes off, you just, your, your life just drove down the road. I'm going to die. At this and you can't convince him. But you know, I like that because he's sensitive. A little bit oversensitive. But still, at least he's... I'd rather be around people like that than the other kind. Grandma's dying in the hospital. Who cares? Gosh. Either you're cold or something's wrong there. 
I pray that you're sensitive this week. When God speaks to your heart and He says, you really need to do something. I have to be sensitive? Yeah. And again, don't get me wrong. I'm not asking you to cry every time somebody says something. But I'll give you a, a couple of verses right here. You might surprise. Anybody ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Apostle Paul, they said, some people have pictured him. He's sort of bent over like this. Uh, he prayed several times for God to heal him about something, and God didn't do that. And he says, for the third time, he says, would you remove this infirmity, this, this affliction, whatever might be wrong? God says, no. And Paul says, then I guess you're going to make me stronger with it. And some people feel it's this. I don't know for sure. But he says, see with what r- large letters I'm writing you. And he writes people so large. Some people think it was his eyesight. Now, if I have good eyesight, and some of you probably do, 20-20 vision, you know, you've checked that in school. You know, if they say read the little, you go, okay. Read the bottom line on the eye chart, and you go, made in the USA. No, not that bottom line. Scoot up a little bit. Oh, yeah, and your eyes are just great. Think of waking up tomorrow and you can't see. And suddenly you'd say, God, and you'd probably be crying. You'll never see again. Or like a gust, you'll never walk. Wow, until Jesus gets hold of you. And that would get my attention. Apostle Paul is this old tough guy. He's about half blind. Let me tell you something in Acts chapter 20. You don't have to turn to it, but if you want to, that'd be fine. How tough is Apostle Paul? Well, I picture him somebody not easily affected. Why? Well, I'll give you two things about him. One time there was a young man named John Mark. He got ready to uh, come with Apostle Paul and a man named Barnabas. They went on a mission trip. And John Mark quit and came home early. You know why? Because he was, one thing, scared. See, when they showed up on an island and they went up on this, this guy was sort of like, thought he was demon-possessed. And Apostle Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark all dropped their bags there and they look over and Apostle Paul's going, because he's got a good thing to take after this demon-possessed man. He's got the power of God. Barnabas, he looks over at Paul. Both of them prayed up. Guess what John Mark behind him going? He is. He's probably scared to death. Because he didn't realize it any time like that. He didn't realize it any time. Demon possessed man could ah! jump on me and beat me to death. Well, see, Paul's not scared. Barnabas is not scared. John Mark probably just wet in his clothes back there. It's like I've never seen a demon possessed man before. You've got to understand, Paul was tough. Paul's kind of like the guy that you know picks up the snakes. You know, All right, this is a spitting cobra. He could bite me right in the face, but I don't really care. Either that guy's extremely brave. Extremely stupid. I'm tending to think, this is a spitting cobra, watch me. Now, if he bit me right here, I would die instantly. Why are you holding him? Because I'm stupid. That's what I'm wondering. Now, I've got a question. You think, what's that guy named the crocodile? Okay, do you think you could scare him? What if I went over and said, hold your hand open? He goes, all right. An earthworm. I don't think you can scare that guy. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul is. Apostle, you say he's not like the snake. Oh, but he is. Because one time it was a snake. He went over with some firewood, put it in the fire. Snake jumped up, clamped on the Apostle Paul's hand. He's hanging on his hand. Apostle Paul hangs up and there's a snake. And he didn't change his accent that day, but he, look, I've got a snake raw here hanging on to my hand. Do you think I'm scared? He shook it and it said he fell back and the snake fell back in the fire. And Apostle Paul just turns around and walks off. I guarantee you there's people there and I would be one of them going, that's a snake. I would be back up from Apostle Paul. Easy. Apostle Paul's not really scared. Well, what's that got to do with being sensitive? 
Listen to this. This is a tough old apostle Paul. Picks up snakes. Snaps her neck. Throws them over there. Yeah! Watch this. He's getting ready to leave on a trip. And he says this to his friends in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Please listen because this has got to give hope to me and you. Now I commit you to God and the word of His grace which can hold you, build you up. This is like me talking to you. Listen real carefully. Now I commit you to God, and I'd love to do that, to the word of His grace. This is verse 32 of Acts chapter 20. Which can build you up, give you an inheritance. Remember we talked about Esau's inheritance? You know what I mean? Apostle Paul says, I wish I could build you up, give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anybody's silver or gold. I didn't preach for money is what he's saying. I don't want gold or clothing. Stop right there. Gosh, this thing's just chock full of goodies. He says, I don't care about silver or gold or clothing. Guess what? If I could show this, how much sand do you think is Apostle Paul's jar? None. I don't care about clothes. Just like Ashley and Andy helped me out last night. What's most important? Jewelry. Apostle Paul says, I don't care about jewelry. I don't care about gold or silver. I could care less about anything. The inheritance of God is what's important to me. Wow. Your whole jar is full of golf balls. And if I had put him on Family Feud, the first thing, what's most important? Jesus Christ, number one. Good, Paul. Paul's got his life in order. But you know, it's a sad time right here. You know what he's about to do? One of the most sensitive things that we'll ever have to do in life is to say goodbye. And this old tough guy, y'all guys are paying attention. He's got to say goodbye. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. I love that, that's friends. In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of Hard work, we must help the weak. And remembering the words the Lord Jesus Himself said, listen, He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now here's this old tough man, probably got a tattoo on his arm saying, Mother, got an anchor down here at the bottom. Yeah, The guy that snaps snakes and throws things away. Watch what he does. And some of you in the world, I hope you're not of these kind of people, you would laugh at him right here, what he's about to do. This old tough rugged man, when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. Verse 37, they all wept as they embraced him, kissed him on the cheek. My daddy used to do that. It just broke my heart because daddy's not here anymore. He's in heaven. But I love that. He'd come up, give me a hug, kiss me on the cheek right there, and I'd say, my daddy's got that special spot in my heart. I could smell Old Spice because he used to use Old Spice. Vitalis on his hair. And I can smell Old Spice or Vitalis, I think, of my daddy. And that smooth cheek he is. When I was just this little boy, he'd come up and kiss me on the cheek. And I thought, well, I wish you could do that today. Apostle Paul kissed him on the cheek and says, my heart's breaking. Wow, you're tough, Paul. You, you don't cry, do you? And he couldn't. He turned around and walked off. They embraced him, kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. That's what I used to do to people. If you come to my house, I'll walk you out to your car. I've never been one of those kind of people. I'm in the house. You leave. I'm, See ya. <laughs> Door's closed. I'm that kind of person goes out, and I go down to the car, and we talk another hour in the yard. That's just me. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Here's the Apostle Paul weeping. Why is it so tough to say goodbye? What do you think? Yeah, you're never going to see him. You know why it's easy for some people? They're not, yeah, they're not sensitive. 
You know the guy last night that sold his birthright? That was who? Esau. Here's what he did later. Uh, Jacob, this guy, had fur all over his arms, making him... He tried to fool his daddy, and he did. He stole the blessing from his daddy. And Jacob was a conniving guy. But here's what Esau, here's what amazed me. When he sold his birthright for the soup, later he didn't even realize the blessing was gone. What amazed me is that when he, once he got that bowl of soup, it said he got up and went on outside like he always did and started hunting again. In other words, did it bother him that he had just lost everything in the future? No. He's about as sensitive as a two before. You know, it just doesn't bother him. I don't care. You know, grandma's dying. Good. Yeah, maybe she'll leave me something. Golly, how can you be so cold? Watch people keep in the nursery. The ones that really love kids. Oh, I'm sorry. Is your little hand hurt? Watch them as you grow up. Your little sister. You stupid. You clumsy anyway. We just walk on by. What happens? Do we become desensitized as we get older? I hope not. What if people treated you like you treated them with sensitivity? My throat's sort of scratchy. Who cares? Okay, anyway, we just keep going. You like attention. Apostle Paul gave somebody attention. Stephen, can I click that uh, movie in there right there? Let me show you how easy it is to say goodbye. Apostle Paul going to say goodbye to somebody? Well, maybe it's somebody you've seen say goodbye. Now, about the girl. I just want to send her home. Very good. Bring me a door shredder. What? You mean... You mean I can't see her again? That's the way it has to be. I'll give you five minutes. Well, so long, kids. Mike, Wazowski! Yeah. It's been fun. Go ahead. Go grow up.
hard is that for him to say goodbye? And that's a cartoon. I'm 50 years old, and I watch that and go, it reminds me that goodbye is tough. Now, I've said goodbye to different people in my life, my mom and my daddy, people like that, but you remember what happens at the end of this? There is a good side of that. They put the door back together, clip a little piece of wood in there, and he gets to see him, and it's like, oh, he gets to see her again. I thought, wow, I'll get to see my mom and dad again, so I don't cry as much as the people of the world that don't have any hope. Psst, got three other letters for you. The other two are real quick. They're opposites. What's the first P? What's the first letter? Personal. Second one is, I spent a lot of time on that because God's going to speak to some of you this week. Please don't ignore him. Because if you do, it's like, oh, that's silly. A lot of times people laugh. Or they get mad because they want to hide their real feelings. How do you know that? Because I've taught school for a long time. Like I'll ask you, is you mom and dad separated? Does that bother you? No, I'm, I'm okay. Then you go out in the hall and you're sitting there and they can't see you because tears are blinding them. I'm all right. They almost act mad at you. And then you give them a hug and it's like, and then all that emotion comes out. Well, is that good? Yeah, because at least it's coming out. If you hold it in, it, it gets tough. We're affected by others' hurts and... Uh, I try to just put myself in their shoes. Here's the other things. Success. Don't forget, if things happen good this week, you know who we thank? Thank Jesus, yeah. Make sure you thank the one who brought it to you. Don't say, boy, Edgar, I like how... Don't thank me. I'm glad he lets me be used. I'll give you one uh, quick example here. You don't have to... We're not going to spend too much time, but... I, success. My old high school, not the one I teach at now, but my old high schools, they played in three state championships, one, two of those with a 14-0. They're, they're pretty good, but one year, their uh, backfield's pretty good. We usually have all-staters. One of their backs that was pretty good told the line, I don't really need you to block for me because I'm pretty good. About eight linemen quit that week. We lost the next three games. Then they learned their lesson real quick, and we regrouped and went seven and three anyway. But it's like, wow, don't ever tell somebody that you don't need them. Because if you're successful, usually there's people behind you. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 4, there's a man named Nebuchadnezzar. He comes out and says, Look at this vast empire which I have created for my pleasure. <laughs> Daniel went to him and says, I want to tell you something that God told me to tell you. Quit being so prideful and thank Him for your success or God's going to humble you real quick. I like those next couple of verses. Not for Him, but I just... Think you're neat. It says 12 months later, Nebuchadnezzar went out on the palace, the portico there. The we'd call it like a balcony. You know what he said? Look at this vast domain that I have created. What's he learned in 12 months? He's still not sensitive. Look at all this. What I've created. <laughs> and he changed. Claws come out. Feathers went down. Started licking the dew off the grass. Turned into a wild animal. And God says, Let's see how proudful you are. And after he went through the grass like this, like an animal, looked like a rhinoceros, vulture, and dog, and everything combined, how many people do you think sort of laughed at him as he went by? Yeah, either they laughed or they ran from him. Look, there's King Nebuchadnezzar. There's King Nebuchadnezzar. Want some litter box? You know, something like that. It's like they made fun of him. So he's licking dew, claws in his face. And after, he says, what in the world was I thinking? God, would you forgive me? You're the one that brings success. And if he's restored, whew, I hope we're not have be humble like that. Yeah, I make straight A's. I got F. How'd I do that? Nothing like humbling you, is it? Welcome to reality. We'll never lose. <laughs> 42 to nothing. I believe we'll lose. 
And some of you get humble. Don't forget to thank God for success. Psst. What's the next S? P was personal. What's the first S? Sensitive. Next S? Success. What's the next S? Opposite of success. If you could, maybe you just... Oh. It is a failure. I need a word with an S. Of. Struggle. In John chapter 9, there was a man born... And he walked up before Jesus and his disciples said, uh, Jesus, disciples weren't all really, you know, with it most of the time. Bless her heart. Smarter than you and I, but still. Uh, Jesus? Yes. Was this man born blind because he's been bad? No. Was his parents, they were bad. Why is he blind? I can imagine one of the other side. Because he can't see. Oh, yeah, just keep it up. Why'd you do that? Well, and they're getting in a fight with each other. Were they like that? Oh, yeah, they argue all the time. You know what? One's, one of them's mom came up and said, Can my two sons sit on your right and left hand? Oh, good. That's not asking much. <laughs> no, they can't sit on the right hand of God. Oh, okay. Just thought I'd ask. You know, some of them are sport brats. Well, this time they're saying, Who, Who's sinned? This man or his parents? And Jesus says, Neither. Well, he's bound to be punished. He's blind. No, you know why he's blind? He's been blind from birth because I want to heal him right now. And so he'll bring glory to me, so he'll be blessed. But he's been struggling all his life. Sometimes our struggles are for him. Did you know that? Our pain is for his pleasure. Well, that's not fair. Tell it to him when you get to heaven then. Now, can you imagine handing out gifts? I want you to be a Billy Graham. You're going to be able to preach. Thank you. I want you to be able to sing like Stephen Curtis Chapman. Thank you. And you over here, what's your name, Rodney? Yes, sir. I want you to be born blind. <laughs> Yay. And Gus, oh, no. Yeah, I want you to be born crippled. And little girl, Jarius's daughter, yes, I'm going to let you be sick from the day you're born until you're 12, and then you're going to die. Yes. <laughs> what? Do you realize all those are gifts? But they're all struggles. Our struggles are for him. I know a little boy that was born. Just before he was born, he almost died. And his mom said, he's going to be okay. And the doctors went, no, he's not. He's not going to make it. I know better. And the last things formed are your fingernails and your teeth. And the enamel, when it was coming over this baby's teeth, it starts to talk and it's going to make and it went, and it stopped right here. So it's got a little crack right in the middle of these teeth where the enamel didn't quite cover. Why? That was the high fever right there. That was the point that he could have died or lived. He lived. That baby's me. See, my mom almost... Well, she got me here. I can feel, put the tongue on the back of my teeth, and I can feel my enamel stop. That's where the fever hit. That's where I should have been gone. And that's why I'm here. So you shouldn't be here? And the doctor said I wouldn't. My mom and I had different plans. And my mama used to tell me, she said, I know you're going to be something special. God will use you. Hope so. So the enamel on my teeth, if enamel was an inch thick on your teeth, let's just pretend, mine's about a quarter of an inch. Well, you should have a lot of trouble. Never had any trouble. So is that a struggle? Yeah, but if I'm here, how can I complain? So I almost died getting here. And the doctor said I wouldn't make it. Here I am. 
So if he looks down and says, Edgar, I think I'll let you be born with half the enamel gone on your teeth. Okay. Gus, you're going to be crippled. Yes, sir. You're going to be born blind. I'm going to write about you in John 9. Thanks for just using me. And I'm going to kill some of you before you get to be three. Okay. But those are struggles. If they're for him, our struggles are his blessing. Last one. This all takes time. Psst. I'm 50. If you'd have told me when I was three, I'm going to let you talk at a camp in Tennessee. Yeah, right. I joined Future Teachers of America when I was in high school almost as a joke. You know what I joined it for? Probably get out of class. You're going to teach one day. Yeah. I'm going to let you teach at a Christian school. Yeah. All of us would have said yeah. I've been teaching for about 20 years. Does it take time? Sure. I'm going to switch that last word and just say this. Uh, it all takes time. And this is your time this week. Now, at the end of this week, a week's a long time. Well, maybe. But this is your time to make decisions. Uh, we'll pray. I know we've got a lot of things to do today. We're going to close. Would you bow your head close your eyes? Lord, today we've just simply talked about five little letters. If I thought about my mom a lot, just telling those doctors, he'll be okay. That would make me sensitive, and I often, I think of her now that she's with you, and that makes me like a movie scene. It's easy to cry because I had to say goodbye to her. She's the one that brought me in, but, Lord, I'm thankful that I saw her go out, and I got to hold her hand as she left this world to come be with you. Lord, thanks for making me sensitive. I'm glad I know you as my personal Savior. Please always keep me sensitive. And if I enjoy success, we have a great week at camp. I want to be careful to thank you, Jesus. If we have some struggles this week at camp, I'm going to thank you anyway because that's what the Bible says. In all things, give thanks. And finally, Lord, time. That's, it can be an enemy to some people because they just keep putting you off. And yet it can be a blessing to others because uh, they thank you, Jesus, for giving them the time that they need. Lord, right now you're probably uh, touching somebody's heart to say, Do you know me as your personal Savior? And you want them to ask you to let you come into their heart. I pray that they'd do that during this time. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.